welcome back to Youth Home Brood. I hope that you've all had a good week. We're really sorry about last week. Uh, there were some technical issues that came with that podcast, but we're back and we're ready to go. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Mo. Uh, say hello, Mo. Morning. Oh, no, wait. What time is it? It's afternoon, Mo. <laughs> and that... And, <laughs> and the other voice you've just heard is the right reverend Doug Tor. Thank you, Doug, for being with us to have this discussion today. No, I'm not a right reverend. I haven't become anywhere a bishop. I'm just a venerable. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. I've just published an edit for the bishop. Maybe it's, it's preempting something, Doug. Do you want to be bishop? No, 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 Evie. <laughs> they have to deal with too many problems caused by people. So we have the venerable uh, also don't reverend. Forget the doctor. doctor. Oh, doctor. <laughs> Would you like so, to add anything more? <laughs> is, is there anything more to add? So um, we, we're expecting good things from you, Doug, with all those maybe titles. Maybe you'll get them, maybe you won't. You never know. <laughs> so to kick it off, what we usually do is I start off, or well, one of us starts off by reading the reading. Um, so I'm going to do that today. And we're doing the reading from Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 to 31. So I'm just going to read that. Jacob wrestles with God. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jagub. After he had set, sent them across the stream, he set over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could no longer overpower him, he touched the socket on Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and, re and wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Then the sun rose above him and as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. And that's the end of the reading. So, uh, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that there was WrestleMania in the Bible. That um, was quite interesting to read. Thank you for that, Evie. There's, um, there's, there's sex, money, drugs, alcohol, <laughs> and wrestling in the Bible, Mo. Oh, and, and, and polygamy. And, yeah, you, yes. I mean, <laughs> it never says, of course, there's no... There's none of the con modern concept of poly polyandry, and there's no, and there's none of the concept of women having a two husbands or anything like that. It's a male-dominated uh, world. Uh, Evie, would you want would you day. want two husbands? Isn't one enough? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but I don't think my husband would not likely. And I don't, and I don't think Mo could handle two wives. So I think it's just as well we are as we all are. <laughs> wrestling with one is enough that's that sounds a lot easier to do 
So let's let's talk about the reading. Let's put um, it in context first, because this little passage, yes, if please. you don't understand the context, you won't get any meaning out of this. So Jacob is a twin. He is the second born, and he's born, according to the text, clinging to the heel of his brother. And that, of course, you can take at a psychological level as being important because he's in search of his own identity, and he is not the firstborn. So he has to find an identity for himself in this patriarchal culture in which he is not liable for the inheritance of his father in the same way that his brother uh, is. And so it also, the idea of his name is related to um, somebody who's actually deceitful, in fact, grabbing the ankle. Mm. And so Jacob grows up, and the most famous story about Jacob is that his, his father loved uh, game, and the older brother Esau was the hunter, and Jacob was the mommy's boy. And um, <laughs> what happens is then... Uh, one day Esau comes back and he's really hungry and Jacob's made this delicious pot of uh, beans, bean soup and he, he says, give me some of that. And he says, no, not unless you give me your birthright. So he's like, you can have my birthright. So he actually gives him this soup then. But it's not really totally taken seriously except by those who actually say that, okay, that Jacob was entitled to the birthright because Esau didn't take his birthright seriously. So we see that there might be two voices at work in terms of this text. So when the father, his father is dying, um, Rachel, who is really, I mean, this is really a story of, I mean, the mother is actually as liable as the son. The dress, <laughs> they dress, him, dress him up in, in, in wild um, animal skin because his father's blind. And his brother Esau, we are told, was a hairy man. So his father puts his hands on his son, who he thinks is his oldest son, and he gives him his blessing. But mm. Jacob has now shown himself again to be the deceiver because he has stolen the father's blessing. And the father cannot give another blessing to Esau. So then Esau is really angry, and he's a he-man warrior. So what happens is then he says to mommy, mommy, what shall I do? And she says, run, boy, run. I have a brother. Go and stay with him and he'll look after you. So with his brother chasing him, he rushes away to go and stay with his uncle Laban. And Laban has two daughters. And he says, okay. My boy, I see you'd like, you like my daughter, so you can work for me for seven years, and I'll give you my daughter in a marriage. So that's how you got a husband in those days. You didn't have very, very much choice. But <laughs> then the story gets even more interesting because then his uncle deceives him and marries the other daughter to him. Because he's, and then when he protests, he says, no, that's not the way it, uh, it's done here. You have to always marry the older first before the younger can be married. And so then, daughter number two, he has to work seven years for. So he works 14 years for, and he's successful in what he does. 
but he actually um, he uses really kind of manipulative, shady business deal of mixing the sheep so that he gets the, the he gets the best sheep out of the deal, and then eventually he leaves his father-in-law, and he runs away with his wives and all his property. A father-in-law runs after him and eventually gives him his blessing that he can go forward. But now, Jacob is going back and crossing this river, he must go and encounter his brother Esau. And you remember what he's just done to Esau. Mm. On his, when he was fleeing away from his brother, he had a dream and God said, at a place, saw a ladder with angels ascending and descending. God said, I'll look after you. Now, here he is, and because you can see what a wonderful coward he is, because he sends his wife and his property all over, and he's, he's now on the other side of the, the valley before he decides he's going to cross over and meet his brother. And here it is that he has to wrangle, and he is wrangling with God. Of course, Sigmund Freud, the founder of uh, modern psychology, uh, psychiatry, had a, a field day with us, this because he, term, he looked at it and he said, well, you see, now this man has to come to terms with his deceitful self. And then mm. Hebrew teaching said, well, you know, there's a, also a spiritual lesson to be learned in, 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 in this. Because you see at the end of this passage that Jacob asked, for a blessing. Different to the blessing he's got from his father, he's wrangled with God. And he is now, and he changed in this encounter with this final encounter with God. Um, and he, he, he is uh, blessed. And so his name then also begins to change and, and, and he, he is a changed person. So a very complicated story. This little passage that we've just read is, is not simple at all. It's so, not just about a wrestling match. So Doug, it sounds a I, bit like days of our lives. So let me ask this question then. Mm. Do we only change our ways if we metaphorically or physically are hurt in order to change? Um, there's a, there's a natural, there are natural ways of changing, obviously. I mean, you can change an opinion without having to be physically hurt. But actually, most learning is done through experience. So here, there's a suggestion almost that sometimes uh, for your nature to change, something dramatic has to happen. If you think of the conversions in the Bible, they're all about something dramatic happening, aren't they? Yeah. So for God to break in, uh, Richard Raw, who writes on spirituality, says that the two things that actually change us most uh, are suffering and love. Encounters of either tend to transform us in ways, change our thinking. It's it's such an actually like interesting concept that you're that you're saying, Doug, because as human beings we. We so um, avoid the the times in our lives where we either suffer or whether we are just doted upon with so much love um, from those that we might not like and those that we might not enjoy. 
and so then, you know, as human beings, we don't actually change. We don't grow because we avoid these situations so much. Well, you know, when you're falling in love, you're actually falling in love with yourself. Mm. So that's just kind of ordinary love. Um, but love is very demanding, isn't it? Uh, and, and, Sometimes. And, and, and suffering, well, it usually is, because it usually means you have to give something. Yes. You can't, you can't be in love and not give of yourself. And of course, there's a difference in romantic, romantic love. And then later on in relationships, love develops if it's going to grow into something. And for it to develop, you always have to give away a part of yourself to embrace another part of somebody else. Yes. And love also comes with hard truths. That's also part of love. And it's that, I think, that we most struggle with. Because the people who really genuinely often love us deepest know us. And so they can say, literally cut you to the bone because <laughs> they can actually, they can see you. They know who you are without that, even having it. to ask. That's true. And so nobody wants to suffer because otherwise you would be a sadomasochist. <laughs> and there are some people who, who, strangely enough, seem to enjoy pain. But most people, most people would actually try and avoid that. People who don't, who actually willingly run towards it, are usually suffering from some form or another of psychological conditioning where they actually want the attention. So uh, <laughs> that is why I think yes, we... It's not the off. kind of suffering that changes you, though. Cause, no. Because that's not, you know, it, it's not an enforced uh, suffering. You're doing it to yourself almost in a way. So then let's have a look at the, the current situation that we're in um, for, for, for all our young people, you know, our, our teenagers who are out there, some of them have now been, um, you know, removed from school and their lives turned upside down. Some are still going to school, but there's like this element of fear sometimes of, you know, having to wear um, civvies every single day so that you're not targeted as someone who's at school. And there's a lot of, um, unknown um, and and like it's it's a new space that that we're all in um, and if we look at maybe Jacob in his travels and on his way back home you know running away from his father-in-law and and re-looking at his life and, and going I need to maybe make some reparations or face my older brother for the things that I've done to him there's that element of fear of, of the unknown, of, of what's coming in his life and, and what is going to be. And so then he has this moment with God um, where, where they just wrangle with each other and, and where, you know, he, he tries to maybe in a way get some answers for maybe what his future holds. Or, but does he get those answers? Or, or actually he has to deal with the fact that the, he's looking at there are consequences to action. Mm. And, and I think that that is really what he's wrangling with. And this is seen as, this story is seen as a point of maturity in the development of, of Jacob in his life. It's a life-changing moment in, in, for him because he's, he's got to seriously look at who he is, what he's been doing, and think of how it's affected other people for a change instead of how has it always affected 
uh, him and what can he gain out of the situation and all the rest of it. And I think that what, what has happened to all of us is that we've, we are now thrown into a situation where we have to start off with, I think the parents and teens have had to spend a lot more time together. And I think that's <laughs> good. I really think it that's is. good because you can't run away from each other. You no. can't spend your life behind a, 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 a screen of some form or another or on a telephone. You have to engage with the real people and they have to engage with you. And that's uncomfortable. You're stuck with your family. You're stuck with your family and you, and you are going to be learning many truths about yourself. The, the, the best book about this kind of thing is actually written in, in, in terms of um, uh, the Second World War and it's the diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. As oh. she grows up and deals with her sexuality and as she's living in a small attic with her parents, a young man she falls in love with, his parents and a dentist in this very confined, cramped space where they can't move, they can't make a noise, they can only sort of be themselves at night a little bit. And she discovers, or she writes the most wonderful diary about hope and her dreams and her visions. And I think that for me is often summed up a little bit of the this, this struggle that I think young people must must experience even today um so i think that it's it is it is a difficult world but you know to all change brings uncertainty yes and, and it's uncomfortable but out of change comes the growth the challenges and i think we can agree that there is change happening that there is some form of you know a, a new world that is slowly emerging from what where we are so and, and, oh yes ab yeah i just want to i want to change the, the conversation yeah, sure. a little bit because go for it something that has been standing out to me in this in this in this verse and these verses mm. that I, i've always questioned because as a little girl we grew up we grew up like learning about this at sunday school like mm. did god come to wrestle with jacob or did jacob start wrestling with god because jacob didn't want to hear what God had to say. I mean, the idea of being, of being, I don't know, coming in the middle of the night would, would, would have been quite scary. But some man standing over you, you don't know who it is. But did God come to wrestle with Jacob or did God come to have a conversation? Well, what do you, I mean, the text, the text uses the word, it embraces the idea that this is a struggle. So it uses the a, idea of wrestling. But is um, the struggle coming from Jacob's side God, or from God's side? God's side. Well, I think that mostly the, 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 this, this struggle, the struggle is happening on, on Jacob's side. Um, yeah. Jacob has to come to terms with what it is that God actually asks of him and what he needs to become. In other words, he's got to come to terms, he's now an adult, and he's got to come to terms with adult responsibilities. And that is part of him learning to see God uh, in a different way, where it's not just, oh, what can I get out of God? But what, what does God want from me? So, you know, you could, you could take it, if you could read it either way, and, and you'll get interesting Whichever way you look at it, you'll get an interesting interpretation of the text. 
And I don't think there's a right or wrong to that. Um, okay. But I do agree, if you're going to see it very simplistically in Sunday school fashion of a strange man standing over your bed, this might be a very, very frightening <laughs> experience. Um, <laughs> you know, what oh. I find interesting is that I often, when, when I've, now that I'm, I'm old and well, older, um, that I, I go back on these lessons that I've got to teach and the, the little girl in me has the image that I read the first time I ever heard the story. And for this one, it wasn't so much that his hip got broken, that freaked me out, or that, this, that there was a weird man standing over him. It was the fact that God wanted to wrestle with Jacob. And what sort of a God wanted to wrestle with Jacob? <laughs> and it's so weird that that's what I pick up. You two have gone into this deep psychological side of things like, you know, resting with God and we grow through pain. And I'm like, yeah, but why would God want to wrestle with Jacob? Well, let's, let's, let's look at it. Let's look at the Hebrew way of thinking about it. You know, when Uncle Moses leads the people out, he, he has to bargain with God, according to this kind of strange understanding of a, a God who is really quite wrathful at times. And this is the God of Genesis. The God of Genesis is not the God we encounter through Jesus in, in, in essence. I mean, it's a very different mm. kind of vision of vision of God. So if God wants to, in, 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 if you go right back, if God wants to encounter Adam and Eve and they, and God comes to them in, in the, in, in the garden of Eden, why shouldn't God come to uh, encounter Jacob? And it's not yeah. the first time. This is the second time in the story that Jacob actually has, you see, you remember the dream, the ladders, yes. ascending and descending, this is the second time. So God is actually almost saying, you remember where you were and where I brought you, to, where you brought you to, now you're at a new place, then you were running away and now you're returning. Have I left you? Have I deserted you? Yeah. And I think that, that, that might be the encounter, so it's an encounter with God. And it's the encounter in which Jacob and God must wrestle. Right. Uh, and mm. given that Old Testament vision of, 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 uh, of God. But I do love the Old Testament in the sense that you can fight with God. You can bargain with God. Uh, the Old Testament is never afraid of the human being telling God exactly how things are. You must just read the Psalms for that. <laughs> you know, God, you're a bit lousy. Here I am, I'm a, good, I'm a good person, and you do all these terrible things to me. Where are you? What are you doing? Why? <laughs> I think, you know, I'm hearing what both of you are saying, and I think that that is um, quite, quite a lovely message for, for us in, in this podcast, is that, you know, let's start wrangling with God in some way and, and actually really um, put ourselves out there, feelings, our thoughts, our minds, and, and everything that we are to say, God, we're in this situation, our world, this is happening and that is happening. There's so much that is going on in every person's life. How do we then deal with that? How do we work through it? How do we find that hope and that light in the space that uh, we seem to find ourselves in and, and maybe even 
lament and get angry and, and bargain with God and say, but Lord, please give us this, give us that um, so that we can be in a better space so that we can maybe see some hope and some light at the end of our tunnel. Well, I, you is- see, I think young people, young people have incredible idealism and that's what I think is important is what kind of world do you, we want to see? What kind of world do young people want to see post-COVID? I mean, we have mm. a very greedy world, a very violent world, an abnormal world that got us into COVID in the first place. It didn't just arrive. It's not some punishment. It's a consequence of various ways of living, mm. treat the way we treat nature, the way we actually seem to um, think that everything can be possessed and and forget that we are a part of everything and, and, and we are to live in harmony with it. So are we are we learning lessons of community? Are we learning lessons of living better with nature? Are we learning how to dream new dreams where a world will be better for everybody? And, and my part of that will, obviously, it's going to be I wake up some days and I'm not sure what day it is because it all feels the damn same. And if, it, if I don't have a service to actually do, I, I actually sort of feel, oh, and then I have to get myself back into a rhythm and all the rest of it. So Yes, the rhythm is broken. I, I have a loss. I liked mm. my old life. I really <laughs> liked hugging people. I'm not a hugger, <laughs> but I liked physical contact. I like my friends. I like going places. I miss the sea. Yeah. Oh, so now sea. this is what some, some people would call, and I'm not going to apologize for this because I think it's very good for us to think a little bit more d- deeply. Anticipatory grief. It's like when somebody is dying and you see somebody's dying, you have all sorts of emotions. You pre-work through some of the grief. And I think that's what COVID is doing to us. It's an anticipatory grief before the birth of something new. And it's waiting. Mm. And I don't know like, if you like waiting. I hate waiting. I hate waiting in queues. Yes, I want to open the present now. That as well. <laughs> and just want to so, rip it open. Could you just show us what's, what, is, what is the new? That's it. But yes. I, I think that we are being called. That's our wrestle. We are waiting. We're waiting to see what God's going to do. Jacob's waiting to see if everything will be okay. And the story continues to tell us that it is okay for him. And God does bless him. So why shouldn't we, out of this text, get a message that it's okay for us to wait, to wrangle, and God will surely bless us as well? Hmm. That's a, a really lovely message, I think, to tie that up in, is just wait, and God will bless each and every single one of you um, that's listening. And, and I hope that as you go out into the rest of whatever life, um, you seem to be facing at the moment. Do that wrestling, do that lamenting and wrangling and trying to figure out where it is that God is taking you, but know that ultimately God will bless you. God will look after you. God will be with you in whatever it may be. Um, thank you so much, Reverend Doug, for that epic, epic, epic and wonderful um explanation and and conversation with us. 
Well, I had I had fun. I wish all sermons on a Sunday were like this. <laughs> imagine what be so much more fun. <laughs> what, what fun you could have when somebody just stands up from the pulpit and you after you sit, preach to them, say, "I don't believe in a word you've said." <laughs> So anybody from Jack's oh. church listening to this, in the next, when we are allowed to go back, please, by all You're means, welcome to, to, to stand, stand up, up in the middle of church. <laughs> yes, I like that. But um, you know that, but you know that I might possible. engage you, and then you might wish you hadn't engaged with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Fantastic. Thank you so, Thank much, you so much, Jack. Um, My great pleasure. Thank you, Evie. Thank you for your ministry, even more.